0: Well, hey, today is the first Sunday of a season in what much of the church world calls the season of Lent. Now the season of Lent, if you're new to this, it's uh, it's 40 days, not including Sundays, that lead up to Good Friday and Easter Sunday. And Lent actually began last Wednesday with Ash Wednesday, um, but because we had some recent staff changes, we were not able to host a Ash Wednesday service this year, but hopefully we'll be good next year. Now, there are six Sundays that lead up to Easter weekend, and all around the world there are millions and millions of Christians who use this Lent season to prepare and to reflect on the journey of Jesus to the cross. Now, many folks, even if they've just kind of heard a little bit of Lent, um, often the context, what they've heard of Lent is, is the idea of someone saying that they're giving something up for Lent. So just turn to the person right next to you real quick here and, and what are some things that people give up for Lent? On your market set, go. All right, let's see, what do we got over here? Give me some stuff. People give up sweets for Lent. How about in this section? Caffeine, Caffeine as she's sipping her coffee. I love it. Yes. See, you—you're you're not a hypocrite. You wouldn't. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's Aaron. I can tease Aaron, right? How about over here? Anything in this section? Something people give up for Lent? We give up nothing. Bruce is my guy. Love Bruce. How about over here? Swearing. Social media. I have a really smart alec remark, but I won't make it. That's good. Did you say that? Well, I didn't. I oh, I was going to say somebody else. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, <was> like, <laughs> I want to, I want to check that one. Okay, uh, how about over here? Anybody over here? Something people give up for Lent. Food. Ooh. Now you're trending really close to my heart. So um, I actually, um, I gave up hiking for Lent. Um, <laughs> love. Actually, I tore up my knee, so, you know, it was kind of convenient for me. It doesn't really count, does it? But now, listen, I just want to say real quick, I do think it is really good to think about giving up stuff for Lent. It can be really good, uh, as long as we're not trying to prove something or think that somehow that giving up something for Lent is earning us something. um, Giving up something for Lent can be done as a way of identifying with Jesus, who willingly went to the cross for us. And in Matthew 16, we we read that Jesus called his followers, so that's you and me, called us to take up their cross and follow him. So then, like that, Lent is this invitation to step away from or to give up things that we turn to for comfort. Now, the cool thing about doing that, turning away, giving those things up, is when we give up these false comforts, it gives us an opportunity to step into actual true freedom, to move into more life. We think that you know all the stuff I turn to for comfort is actually life, and I give that up and I'm going to die, but the truth is um, we turn away from that stuff and we can actually step into true freedom because it no longer rules us. Now, in our sermon series, these six Sundays leading uh, up to Easter, we're going to spend this season giving up things for Lent. So, for example, we're going to give up darkness, and we're going to step into the light. We're going to give up hiding, and we're going to find more freedom. We're going to give up isolation and begin to experience true community, those kinds of things. This is our, kinda, our, our twist, our little give-up twist this year um, and like I said last week, does does that not stir a little more curiosity than, you know, give up chocolate or coffee or, right, Facebook? Although, again, really smart, give up Facebook or the news for Lent, you will find yourself actually finding more peace. So, anyway, there you go. That's a preview of this upcoming series of Lent that we are beginning today. And today's invitation is for us to give up Darkness, for us to give up darkness and step into the light. Now, studies say that, that, that nearly half of all adults have some fear of the dark, and for 11%, it's an actual, it falls into that kind of phobia category. Like that fear becomes extreme fear of the dark. Now, back in um, the 1990s, I was a Bible college student in Minneapolis. And Bible college was pretty strict, at least the one I went to, and so we were always looking for, you know, fun and adventure, right? And one of the things that I liked to do was take other students with me to see what we simply called the caves, the caves. And these were over in St. Paul, which is just across the bridge, um, down by the Mississippi River, and of course they were, you know, closed to public entry, but the caves 100 plus years before we were there, they had been mines, and they become these huge tunnels in the sides of these hills. Um, During Prohibition in the 1930s, gangsters turned them into bars, there was supposedly an underground casino there, there's all these stories and legends of things that happened in the caves way back, Um, and for a season, I believe, there was a, a local Brewery that would actually store its beer in these caves, um, because I guess it's the perfect temperature year round. So, so fast forward from all that stuff in the 30s, 40s, and 50s and 60s, by the 90s, these caves had been closed off for many, many years, and to enter them was considered trespassing, which for a college kid made the perfect spot for adventure, right? (laughs) Thank you. My mother's over here never having heard this story, but I'm okay, Mom. I lived. Um, <laughs> so we would sneak into the caves at night, of course, you know, where we were less likely to get caught, and we would explore with our flashlights. And, you know, college kids, we usually only had a couple flashlights in a huge group of people. Um, so we would go in, and the farther back we'd go, the darker it was, the quieter it got, and the more our adrenaline surged. Sometimes... <clears throat> This won't surprise some of you, but sometimes if we heard somebody coming in behind us, we'd get real quiet, you know, get around a corner, turn off our flashlights. We would wait and scare the tar out of them. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't do that now. Um, but I mean, come on, I was, I was in my 20s, right? I Like the prefrontal cortex in my brain, that thing that helps decision making, it was not yet fully developed. I still kind of wonder when it will finally develop, but... I digress. Um, So another time, I had this idea, hey, hey, we're way, way, way back. And I said, let's turn off all our flashlights and just be quiet. So we did. We clicked off our flashlights, and bang, there we were in pitch blackness. And we managed to be silent. There was no wind, no street noise, no voices, no sounds. Like I could hold my hand up in front of my face just inches away but not see it. And I knew that the whole group was right there with me, but I couldn't see anybody. And it wasn't actually very long before one of the people in our group kind of started panicking, like actually really did panic. Um, And and so we quickly had to turn the lights back on. Um, I'm guessing they were probably in that 11% phobia, afraid of the dark group. So we flipped the lights back on. But I will never forget, and we did that a number of times with other groups. And almost always, there was somebody in the group that was afraid of the dark that we didn't know, Um, so we never had the lights off very long ever. But but I'll never experience, uh, forget. I'll never forget those experiences of, of utter darkness. And have you ever had an experience like that before, where where your senses were deprived and you got completely disoriented? See, see, darkness can do that. In more than one way, and in more than just that way. First John chapter 1, verse 5 says, This is the message we have heard from him, Jesus, and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. Just time out there for a second. Um, by darkness, he does not just mean light sin, he is also talking about our tendency to hide. There is no darkness in God at all. Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him, and just hang on, that word right there, fellowship means partnership or participation with. So if we say that we are partnering with God in how we do our life, yet we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. It's your Wrangles up here, is he calling me a liar? Verse seven, but if we, walk, if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we deceive ourselves. And, whoa, oh, oh, whoa I, I went to the wrong verse, that was funny. There's Doug Lynn version right there, that would be really terrible. We start that verse over. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, like community. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 8 If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So, in light of this text and our topic for Lent, my question is do you want to live in the light or in the dark? Do you want to live in the light or in the dark? And this week for Lent, I want to invite us to consider giving up darkness, give up hiddenness. Because freedom comes when we stop hiding and we step into the light. Now I want to add one more verse to this First John passage. Um, James 1.17 will be on the screen. I want to add that to the mix where, where James tells us that God is the father of lights. And with him, here's the phrase, there is no shifting shadow, no shifting shadow. Think just about that imagery there. You got the light in there, God is light, and the shifting shadow. There's no shifting shadow, but you think about this image of a shifting shadow. Have you ever seen kind of a shifting shadow? See, I think um, shifting means there's a little bit of light, but there's a shadow, but you can't quite see it because then it seems like it moves. Did it just move? And it gets real confusing. It can be very disorienting. It could even be a little scary sometimes. Especially if we recognize that maybe we have a relationship with someone who's hiding. And you see a little glimpse of light, and you think, oh, wow, is that what's going on? And then, oh, oh, something moves. Shifting shadow. Have you ever had a relationship like that? Shifting shadow. Um, or just had a feeling when you're with someone who's hiding something... You're seeing something, you think it's a shadow, but then it moves, you can't quite make it out because it keeps on moving, and if they're really good, they turn around on you and say, no, you're the problem, and if you have any humility in you at all, you'll go, well, okay, maybe. And one day you may, or maybe you won't find out. Ah, that was a shifting shadow. Relationships can be that way, but, but, but not so with God. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There is no illusion. There is no shifting shadow. There is no trickery because God is light. Now, for the rest of this message, uh, and then as we go into communion, I want to talk about one of the most important things that light does. And I just want to focus on one. It's all that we have the time for today. Actually, we could do a whole series about this sometime, but for today, um, I want to focus on one thing because what light does is it reveals. What light primarily does is it exposes the truth about what is actually real. Um, it reveals the truth about what is hidden in the shadows. Now, now, sometimes what light reveals as it comes and pushes away the darkness, pushes away the shadows, sometimes what it reveals is magnificent, it's beautiful. Right? Like like a sunrise in the morning, we see the beauty breaking through. Oh, the light is beautiful. See, the value of us doing what first John talks about, living in the light, the value of living in the light is it's gonna help us to see what is good and right, pure, healthy, beautiful. And the value of seeing those things uh, is that when I see that beautiful stuff, the good stuff, I get to choose it. But if I'm in the dark, I'm in the dark. I I can't even see the good thing that I need to choose that I would choose if I could see it. But when the light comes and shows me what's good, oh, now I can can choose it because we're in the light. But another part of what light reveals, um, and this is you know, a part of the light that, that we're all actually familiar with, and it's really the emphasis of, of this passage, the text here that John is writing about. Um, he's writing about sin and confession in the context here. It, it, here's the deal is that light also reveals what is wrong. Light also reveals what is ugly or what is dangerous. And while I admit this aspect of the purpose of light is not as pleasant as seeing the beautiful things that light reveals, it is every bit as helpful. Because when light reveals dangerous things, I can avoid them. I can avoid them. Um, Light is a gift that can help me stay out of danger, help me move toward life, real life. See, see, if it wasn't for the light that shines, I might step in a hole, because I wouldn't see the hole. If it wasn't for light, I might fall into a trap. I would trip all over things, if not for the light. Um, I mean, think about the middle of the night at your house, at least men my age. Um, do you ever get up in the middle of the night to do what it is you do in the middle of the night? Uh, and there isn't any light, and, like, you step on something. Anyone? Is this just me? Right? When I had Noah at home, I love Noah. I'm glad Noah isn't living at home playing with Legos still because, right, have you ever in the dark? St- yes? Right? Oh, my gosh, those are from hell, right? <laughs> yes. It's awful, Lego in the dark between your, oh, not good, not good. By the way, empty nesters, there is a benefit, um, because when I used to get up in the middle of the night, I would never know what was going to be on the floor, and I'd step on something, but now it's the most incredible thing that you parents one day can look forward to. In the middle of the night, um, the house is the same as it was when you went to bed, so. (laughs) One day, one day. But the fact is this. you can really actually get hurt if you don't have lights. Um, more than just stepping on a Lego, you could run into a wall if there's a not a lights. You didn't even know it was there. You weren't trying to run into the wall. You weren't trying to ruin your life. You just didn't even see the wall. Or you could fall off a cliff or step in a hole if you don't have Light, for lack of light, we fall off cliffs, for for lack of light, we step in holes, we we walk into traps that if we had light, we'd never have walked into, and if light never comes, or if it's there and we just don't even open our eyes, we might step into that same hole or walk off that same cliff over over and over and over and over for lack of light. The good news about this passage is that that God, who is light, lets us know that that if we choose to walk in the light that he provides, that is, if we choose to, to believe that what he says about life is true and real, here's the good news, we can avoid enormous amounts of pain. Not all pain, but we can avoid unnecessary and enormous amounts of pain because the God who is light is going to shine his light on the dangerous places. He's going to tell you the truth about wrong directions. He's going to let you know where the snares are, show you where the rocks and the holes and and even where the enemy is. He's going to let you know where the turns in the road are happening with his light. Psalm 109 Verse 105 says it this way. You probably know this verse. Let's read it out loud together. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. See, if we choose to believe the light, the word of God, the teachings of Jesus, If we choose to believe that light that's telling the truth, then we're going to walk in the light of that truth. When we do that, he's going to bring us to, to places and lead us in directions where we can live abundantly, joyfully, and safely. See, again, the bottom line on light and, and what it does is that it reveals and it helps me see things as they really are. But there's a problem, at least if you're me, <laughs> What about when uh, things in my life really are in darkness, and I actually don't want to see where I'm walking in the dark? Um, And this is where I think this light stuff is precisely um, a problem for us. Because if we are, and maybe you're not, but if we are in any area of our life walking in the dark, when the light of God does come on, it's going to let you know, isn't it? In some way, if we're listening, if we're looking at the light of what's being revealed, um, we're going to find out, and it may not feel very polite, but it is going to be very loving, but it's going to say, "Hey, hey hey, hey hey, hey, hello. Hello. You know that thing you're hiding or that sin you're rationalizing? <clears throat> Doug, you are in the dark you are about to walk off a cliff and do a lot of damage to yourself and maybe to those around you would, you, would you come back to the light? But here's the deal about me. I know that sometimes when I'm in the dark and the light of God's word comes and says, hey, <clears throat> you are in the dark, you need to come clean. You need to confess, you need to turn on the light. When I hear that, I don't always like hearing that. See, see, see. I felt just fine about my marriage until the light went on, and I began to hear about how my wife was sometimes experiencing my shortcomings. I hated that. <laughs> I felt just fine about my attitudes, my addictions, about my anger, until the light went on. And then, I hate the light, I hate the light. Uh, I felt fine about ignoring issues like, Racism until the light went on, and now I'm defensive and making excuses, and I can find plenty of other people that are too. I felt fine about that. I, I felt just fine about my sexuality, felt just fine in the dark, about how I'm handling my money, how I treat my friends. I felt fine about all of that before the stupid light went on. Because there's an instinct in our brokenness that I admit surfaces when the light shines. Sometimes that light shines to show me the way things really are in my life or my attitudes or how people are experiencing me. Every time that light goes on and I don't want to see it, I just want to turn it off. (laughs) See, before that stupid light went on, I felt fine about all of that stuff. So, hey, you know what? Maybe the light's the problem. The light's the problem. So what do we do then? We turn off the dang lights. See, there's a tension with the light, isn't there? Because the very thing that I love about the light <laughs> is kind of what I hate about the light. See, I love that the light reveals things that are true and good so I can choose it. Reveals what's dangerous so I can avoid it. But, whew, what I hate about the light is that it often reveals what's true, particularly about my brokenness. The parts of my life that have not yet been healed or transformed, and there is grace. But, what in, but, but when what's true about my brokenness, unhealed places in my life is about to be revealed, especially. If what's about to be revealed is that I have tendencies to be angry or controlling or arrogant or selfish, then I see that stuff coming, and I know that's not my true identity, but ooh, I just want to start looking for dark places where I can hide all that stuff. Like I look for shadowy places where I can conceal those things. In fact, better than shadowy places, I start looking for shifting shadows. Because if I can create shifting shadows for you as you look at me, you know, these shadows that are always kind of moving, I can pretty much be guaranteed this. You will never know what is real about me and what I'm hiding, and then I think I might feel safe. But the truth is, we won't be safe See, many of us are just slick enough that, that, that we don't want to live in total darkness. So we're just going to pull down the shade a little bit. Just, you know, just enough that we can kind of still get around and not totally shipwreck our life, maybe. And we can create just enough shifting shadows so that you can't really ever see that or call that out or confront that. And if you try, whew, I got a strategy for you. Because I'm going to make it about you Ever been in a relationship like that? Have you ever been the person seeing that you've done that to someone in a relationship? See, let me tell you what I think is really scary, actually, worth being afraid of: is, is our tendency to hide things in the dark, to pull down the shade, to turn off the light. And and here's what's scary: if if we live in the dark. Long enough, if we make this a pattern of life, you can actually get used to living in the dark. You can start thinking that living that way, well, that thing is normal. And while there might be a part of us that thinks that numbing our conscience might sound appealing, especially, by the way, if we know that we're kind of ensnared in something right now, just hear me, even though that might sound good, hear me that's a really dangerous place to be. See, a very scary thing is this. Sometimes even God's people, maybe especially God's people that don't trust who he is, God's people can learn themselves to live in the dark. Like we can learn to live in the dark with insincere smiles, half-truths, inflated stories, And the longer we hide in the dark, the bigger the lie becomes. And by the way, one day all will be revealed. And if it's revealed on this side of eternity, when it's revealed, that secret can do enormous damage. Which explains why some of us hold secrets for years or even for decades. But hear me, friends, the problem that that comes from living that way is that living in the dark is no way to live. You know, it takes a lot of energy to lie, to spin, to pretend. It causes so much harm to the people around us when, when we deflect and blame and spin and cast shifting shadows in the hope that maybe our secret will never come to light. And even if no one ever finds out about our secret, um, Living that way is choosing a miserable life because the real you never has a chance to be loved if you choose to live in the dark, if you live in hiding, if you're driven by shame, fiercely guarding your secret. So I just want to invite us on our Lent journey of what we might give up to give up darkness and begin the journey of stepping into the light because it is the best, the healthiest, the freest way to live. You know, I started thinking, you know, what if we were afraid of the dark? in a good way like appropriately what if we were appropriately afraid of the dark like oh, i don't want to live that way i started think of it that way and and that's probably fine but better yet what if we loved the light so much if we trusted that living in the light if we trusted it so much that we were willing to come out of hiding what will that look like when we do that come out of hiding so you remember, God is light, according to John. God is light, and we, we want to love the light. God is light. In him there is no darkness. So what if we loved the light so much, we trusted God so much that we would dare to start coming out of hiding, living with no secrets, no lies, just light. That's today's invitation, friends, and so I want to ask you now, just for you, between you and God, where is God inviting you to give up darkness and to step into the light? Maybe for some, there's financial deception going on, and we know that creates such a train wreck, creates so much shame to live under that, And, and to you, God is saying this morning, come on, come on, trust me, bring it into the light. Or maybe you're in a relationship where you've been crossing lines. Let's call it what it is. Maybe it's an affair. Or whether you're married or single, it's a relationship that you know dishonors God. You know, what you, need to, you know what you need to do. Your heart is probably pounding when you hear these words. But that's God prompting you right now with that question. Will you bring it into the light? Will you come out of darkness? Because he wants you to get free get free we got to come into the light maybe the darkness you wrestle with is an addiction to a substance or online porn or gambling or whatever and you've been living this double life a secret life a hidden life and I believe this morning God is saying will you bring it into the light will you stop trying to hide it will you stop trying to manage it on your own it's unmanageable and you know it or maybe Maybe it's the way you've been trying to project your image or your reputation, hiding your weaknesses, your fears, the painful parts of your story, whatever it is that's in the dark. The question for all of us, for me and for you is, where is God inviting you to come into the light? Back to verse 9 from our first John passage. If we confess... Interesting word. We're going to do a whole other message on that this summer. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we confess, which simply means saying it out loud, agreeing with the light of what God says is true, and, and there's good news. Good news is that confession is stepping into the light. You don't have to hide You don't need to live in darkness. You can be free. You can be clean. You can live in the light. Confession feels scary. Uh, Listen, listen. God already knows. (laughs) Whatever you and I think that we're keeping hidden or keeping a secret, God already knows and he already loves you. He gave his son to die for you. There is grace. But hear me. Even God will not force you to step into the light. You have to choose to step into the light. You have to do it. As the worship team comes, Jew, bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to make two invitations here, but in the beginning here, I just just want to talk to those of us, you know, if you've never asked God to forgive your sins. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, which is the first way that we step into the light, then you carry a lot of weight and a lot of shame, guilt and regret. But maybe this morning you are ready to stop hiding and come home to Jesus, and you can do that right now. And all it involves is just praying to God, just saying, God, I want to confess. I want to confess my secret my inner shame, my guilt, my sin, the stuff I've been living in fear that somebody would find out about. God, I don't want to live in fear anymore. I want to be clean. I want to be free. I want to come out of darkness and live in the light. And so I confess these areas where I've been living in the dark. I confess them to you, God. And thank you that through Jesus and his love and his sacrifice, it says, I can be clean. That's what we just heard. I can be clean. I can be clean. So I choose right now to follow Jesus, to make him my savior, to follow him into the Friends, if that's your heart, that's what your heart wants right now. Jesus will do that for you. You don't even have to pray some long prayer. Just talk to him. Just ask. He wants to set you free. And now the second thing is really for all of us, whether you've never been a follower of Jesus or you've just begun following Jesus or you've been a Christian for a long, long time, everybody here or online this morning, that invitation still stands for us all to come into the light. So whatever's been going on, whatever you've been keeping hidden, whatever needs to be confessed, whatever you need to let go of, whatever you need to bring into the light before God so that you can walk in the light, oh man, don't let this moment, this opportunity, don't let it slide past This is for all of us. This is not about, oh yeah, I hope somebody else hears this or so and so, I wish they were here today. No, 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 no. This is not about anybody else. This is just you. And God is calling you right now to come out of the darkness into the light. So now I want to pray for us. God, our confession to you is that we are afraid. We confess that we do not fully trust you. We don't fully trust your love, and so then we end up hiding. Too often we pretend. But living in the dark is exhausting, so we confess our sin. We confess our addiction. We name that it is wrong. We stop making excuses we choose right now to step into your light, to give up hiding in the dark. We give up lying, we give up hiding because we want to be free. We want to trust you. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our hope, our forgiver. Will you help us to come out of hiding and to live in the light? This is our prayer together as the people of hope.